0: Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2008, this is Paul talking about Step 6. My name's Paul and I'm an alcoholic, Hi, sober today, I've been sober and Alcoholics Anonymous for 19 years, I've been, uh, it took me 14 years before I did the steps properly. Um, and I was sober four years before I came into, I was dry, I should say, four before years before I came into AA. I need to tell my story as it is. I'm an alcoholic also who used uh, drugs, and uh, that's also part of my story. Um, I, I see the fog's coming in. <laughs> the fog was lifting for me, lifted for me at step six. It was actually at step six. I was r- really grateful, and thank you for inviting me to speak on this. It was set, step six, something happened to me. Uh, when I did that properly with my sponsor and uh, I don't um, a lot of things were, were taken off me at, at that point not because up until then um, I, I don't know I'd, 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 I'd had an understanding of things but it hadn't actually happened I guess and uh, so what, what, what happened to me was uh, I, I went to my I've been around AA, as I say, 14 years, and I was thinking this morning when I came in, I was trying to think, how do you explain this? Because this is really important. And I thought, I thought you know, in, in step six here, they talk about the analogy of building a an archway through which we go. You know, you know, is the foundation's in in place, and 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 have we built a solid foundation of the first five steps in order to do st- step six? You know, and and um, I thought that's a pretty good analogy. But I was thinking of a or metaphor. I was thinking of a metaphor of of a car. Um, and I thought I'd share that with you as a way of giving my understanding of what step six is about for me. And the metaphor of the car is that I think I was born, I was given a, a kind of a vehicle to travel in this world with, and I just drove, I just went for things. I went for, uh, for, for music, and I went for women, and I went for whatever, you know, I just went, went for things. And, and life went pretty well for a while, my life I kept going. I come from a middle class, wealthy family, highly educated, and, um, and, and I had a lot of advantages, best schools and all that kind of thing. And, and I just went for it, and uh, had a lot of got got involved in all kinds of things. And I drove and I drove and I drove. But in the metaphor, the, this vehicle of my life kept breaking down every now and again because I started taking drugs and and, and drinking. And uh, but I didn't want to know about that stuff. I just wanted to go, and I kept on going and going and going, and kept on. After a period of time, by the time I was 23, it came to a stop for a while, and I joined a meditation group there. And I believe that alcoholism is, uh, is a disease of the brain, like, like the professor says, and it's, it's incurable. And people who have alcoholism can only be cured by a spiritual program. And uh, I, I joined a meditation group. I didn't know I was an alcoholic, but I joined a meditation group, and that actually kept me dry for a couple of years. It was really good. I think spiritual growth is the, the only solution to this problem. It's the only solution this program offers. We don't offer psychological insights and we don't offer all the useful as they are. And we don't offer um, uh, kind of um, hands on medical interventions, useful as that is, or maybe. Uh, and we don't offer um, uh, kind of, uh, well, what happened in spiritual groups? You had to be always with somebody and they'd hang on to you. So you, uh, we don't offer sort of two bodyguards keeping you from drinking all the time. We don't even offer that. We just offer, only offer, solely offer, for one point, program, which is a spiritual recovery from alcoholism. That's the only thing we're offering here. And any kind of spiritual growth, I believe, will make the alcoholic better. It will help the alcoholic. And that's what happened to me then. So the car came to a stop, but they got me started again. You know, off I go. And because I'd got so much confidence, I, I, I went... I started off when I, when I first started drinking, I was studying medicine at, um, at, at Monash. And it was the days of the um, um, Vietnam War, and I was involved in all the student protest because they were all being plotted in the pub and I got, I was on the front page of Truth newspaper and uh, and banned from the campus by a Supreme Court writ because I was drunk and I'd done something. I'd got involved, I liked the action and I liked drama and I got involved in all these kind of demonstrations and I had to explain to my father who was a high-ranking military officer why my name was on the front front page of the age with a whole lot of other student radicals and it was just because I was following a bottle of Stone's Green Ginger Wine into the administration buildings, which we were occupying at the time. So, by the time I was 23, anyway, I came to a stop, I got started again, and I thought I'd go back to university. I went back to university and I got a good job as well in a theatre company. I like theatre, I like drama and conflict. It's one of, the, one of the great things about AA that I love. You know, I get all of my theatrical <laughs> satisfaction here with character and plot and the whole thing, you know, you couldn't... It's priceless, isn't it? You know, it's just... just the best. And. Um, Anyway, I got a job, but I didn't know I was an alcoholic, and so I I started drinking again. I got away from that spiritual group, and I started drinking again. And the car started grinding to a halt, started blowing smoke. I didn't want to know about that. I just wanted to go, you know. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And after a while, I started to realise that I just wanted to get away from it. I was running. I was just going full speed ahead this way into the darkness because the resentments and fears I know now that were driving me, the devils that were driving me were too frightening for me to look at. So I just wanted to go. I ended up in South America in a little place you can know, only get to buy canoe on my 27th birthday called Rurinabaki, and uh, we were drinking wood alcohol because I needed to get out on something and there wasn't any other alcohol available, which is a kind of methylated spirits type thing which you drink with with um, cordial. And, um, I, and I just thought my life's a mess. I should have a, I should maybe um, get a son and that would solve my problems for me. I just want just wanted to do something this moment now because... There are three meditations in AA. There's a morning meditation where you sit down and you contemplate the uh, the day ahead, which I did this morning. There's an evening meditation when you sit down at the end of the evening and you think through the day. Just allow it to come, and I do that. But there's one I want to practice now, and with your permission I'll do it. Just I want to pause. I'm agitated. I'm telling my story and I'm feeling agitated. And there's two ways I can handle that agitation. I can push through it and ride it out, which is... The way I used to do it. Or I can just pause. It's a very emotional thing, I think, AA, isn't it? I couldn't pause when I was uh, drinking and drugging because those da- demons that were driving me were going to get me. And I just had to keep going. But the car. Or the vehicle of my life that I was driving, really started to not do what it should do. It kept bumping into things, things bumped into it, and it became very kind of messy. And I hurt a lot of people, and people hurt me, and uh, and I just pushed on, and I didn't want to, st- I didn't want to face it, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to go. I didn't know what to do. And I thought if I had this son, um, that would solve me. And we, I, I found a woman who, who. Um, whose mother just died of alcoholism and I just fitted right into the groove. You know, She looked after me as she looked after her. And uh, we had our son. And there was a moment when I thought, when I was smashing a, um, a, a kitchen chair on the floor, I, I needed to make a point to my son and he wasn't paying enough attention. He was a one and a half, I think. And I wanted him to understand that I was an important person and that what I was saying was important. I don't quite remember because I was drunk and stoned at the time. And I saw his eyes full of horror, looking at me with fear. And, uh, is it five minutes remaining already? And, uh, <laughs> <no>? <laughs> and, and I suddenly had this flash that, that I was doing to him what had happened to me when I was young. Um, my father was a raging person when he got drunk. He might have been a highly decorated military officer, decorated by the king and all the rest of it. They used to say it, it was the red wine or the war. I I can't say he's an alcoholic, but when he drank, he changed into something that was completely diabolic, and I did the same thing, and I saw that I was doing the same thing to my son as I had happened to me when I was... He left, my dad left when I was three. And the same thing was going to happen, and I didn't know what to do. And I had this moment of clarity, or moment of something or other, where it was just going to go on and on and on. It was just going to go on. There was a cycle, and there was no no escape from that cycle. And I felt... uh, I felt like an automatic car where you put the foot on the brake and the foot on the accelerator at the same time. I couldn't run because my son was there. That was the brake. This was the one who's going to save me, and I had to run because that was my pattern. that's was my getting away from things. I had lots and lots of relationships, you know, lots of things that happened to me. And every time it got too close to me, I just went, just kept going. And um, so, step six we're talking about today. And. Uh, Pause when agitated. I love the, the pacing of the of the steps, you know? Um, David explained it to me, and I just, I love it. Most of the things I've learnt, I've learned from other people about this, but the pacing is, just a, you sort of have an active step, where, you know, powerless over alcohol. Then you have a sort of reflective step, but, I, but maybe those people have it. And then you have an active step, I'll make a decision to do it. Then you have a sort of kind of a backward step. Well, I'll write down what I've done wrong. And then you have an active step where you tell somebody about it. And now we're talking about this this kind of reflective step, the six, six sitting down, pausing. Stopping, considering, thinking about, just allowing the thing to to be there. Pausing uh, is tremendously important before we take an active step again. Think, think, think. I think that's what it's about. It's that kind of sense of we stopping enough to, to be able to uh, move ahead again. So, um, I forget where I was. I'll, I'll I I, I, found, I said I was around AA for 14 years before I did the steps properly. What it was, what had happened is that I, my car broke down. Somebody came along and said, oh, geez, she's all right, mate, I'll give you a tow or something like that. My vehicle of my life broke. And they, I sort of got going a little bit by the help of other people. And I got to uh, AA uh, through the psychiatric system and the hospitals and stuff. And, uh, and, and I just and, and people say, oh, look, what you've got to do is, you know, I don't know about how to work this thing, but what you've got to do is, you know, you, you, you put an egg in the, um, in the uh, radiator. That'll stop the leak. And it does, you know. You put an egg in the radiator and it'll stop. It does stop the leak, you know, an emergency, you know. You can get by. So I was going to AA meetings and I was getting little emergency tips on how to get by when your car's busted but you still want to keep alive, you know. Little things like when that red light comes on that really annoys you, I know what that means. That means you've got to get behind the dashboard and take out the plug from the red light (laughs) and that'll fix the problem, you know. And so I was living on this kind of colloquial, kind of anecdotal um, expression of, of how the program works. I was picking up little bits and pieces, you know, a, a way to cobble it together to keep my thing keeping going, you know, until it eventually uh, it, it really came to a, it, the pain. Somebody talked about pain the other day, but the pain became so much it came to a stop. It came to a real stop because I was sober and alcoholic and, I, and I'd been using all these cobbled together, bits of wire, sticky tape, anything to keep the thing happening. And, uh, and then I met my sponsor. and He said, if you've done the steps properly... Quite a few people have actually said that to me beforehand. I wonder what they suspect, what they've noticed in me. But I had not heard it until now. When I reflect on it, I realise they I had. Well, yeah, I, you know, I was sort of wriggling, you know, because by this time I'd gone become, I'd, I'd gone back to university. I'd got two degrees by this time. I'd, I was a social worker. I was working as a counsellor. I'd been a turning point doing uh, uh, um, drug and alcohol work there. I mean, and I'd been a counsellor at Melbourne University. I mean, you know, like I was you know, what do you mean, properly? (laughs) And uh, he said, come to my place, we'll do it properly. And I was was at the meeting, the Frankston uh, sharing meeting yesterday, and they said about the third step. I thought about doing this. He said, come, we'll do the third step. So I thought about doing the third step um, before I did the third step. I thought about it. And then I went there with him and I got down on my knees, as was suggested, for another reason, to pray to God, to ask him to be relieved of the bondage of self. Or, you know, God, I surrender myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. That prayer. I prayed that with him. He, he got down on his knees. I got down on my knee and he showed me how to do it. He said, You've done the third step. That'll give you a measure. I've already been writing my inventory in kind of longhand, and as Gary said the other day, you know, kind of a big, big dramatic story. I'm a writer, of course. I thought I was a poet when I was. Uh, when I was um, drinking, because I thought, well, and if all poets got drunk, then if I got drunk, I'd become a poet. It would seem to be obvious. And um, it wasn't. And uh, anyway, so I knew about writing my story. But he said, do the third step. It'll give you a measure of protection. I think it does. And I was talking to, who was I talking to? Anyway, I can't, yeah. Um, Beforehand, he said, fearless moral inventory. How can you do a fearless moral inventory? You can only do a fearless moral inventory if you've done the third step. I thought that was pretty good, you know, because that takes away the fear. I needed to have the third step in place in order to do the inventory. I loved the fourth step. I loved it. It was like playing Pokemon. I don't know if it means anything to anyone. (laughs) But I was capturing in my Pokeballs, which is my piece of paper, all my resentments, fears, and harms. I was like a big game hunter. I was wandering around with my book in my pocket, waiting for, some, waiting for me to have a reaction. Oh, I hate that bastard. Ah, good, another one, I'm write it down. <laughs> Couldn't wait. Two months of just running around playing Pokemon with my resentments, fears and angers. I turned around to the very things that had been driving me and looked at them. That's what the third step did. I turned around and looked at the things that were driving me. I, I, was, I was hunting them. And they started running away, the buggers. It was hard for me to find my resentments, fears and harms. I needed to go hunting them. I needed to look them down. The fourth step was a kind of a ball for me. I really enjoyed it. I I only did that, and I wanted to do that, and I had the measure of protection of the third step. My sponsor was very kindly sat down and said, "Um, do the fourth step. Uh, Fifth step, I did that. And then do the sixth step. Um, Sixth step, go home by yourself. Pause. Now is five minutes, I better sort of try and see if I can say something. Um, sixth Step, take the book down. Rarely have we f- seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunate. They are not at fault. They seem to be born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Am I one of them? I needed to think about that. Am I one of those people who are incapable of being honest? Now, I, I'm an actor <laughs> as well, and I pretend a lot. All of my drinking history is pretending, but I can be honest. I know, so I'm not one of those. I don't. That's the out clause, and I don't get the out clause. I can't get out on that one chances are less than average. There yeah, Those two suffer grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them do... Ah, that's me. ADHD, bipolar, um, anxiety, depression. Yeah, I'm one of those people. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity. Well, I have the capacity to be honest, and I have rec- I'm haven't recovering. Oh. Stories, No, you know, some of these we balked. Some of these we balked. 14 years we balked. That's me and my story. I'm not recommending it. We thought we could find an easier, softer way. Well, I didn't. I tried, there are 450 different um, transformation modalities out there, and I tried a lot of them before I tried the program of AA. I tried, uh, you know, um, NLP. I tried uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I tried psychodynamic. Um, I tried uh, uh, psychodrama. Um, Oh, look, I'm pretty good on all of them. Come and talk to me afterwards. I could talk to you a lot. I remember we are dealing with alcohol coming back for powerful. half measures of ale, nothing here. Took the steps up. One, we admitted we're, this is, when they read this, I think in my head, am I doing this, you know? We admitted we're powerless over alcohol, our lives have become unmanageable. It's true. The car had stopped. Somebody had taken me to the garage and shown me that they said there's a fantastic um, power that's going to fix your car up. What you've got to do is just say what's wrong with it. I came to believe, so that's a fantastic power, greater than me, could fix up my car and get me going again. Made a decision, I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll take to this bloke, ask him to do it. Sat down and wrote down everything's wrong. Well, the brakes, the lining, the little red light, the, um, the, there's an egg in the... Um... <laughs> there's a lot of things, you know, I made the list. Um, sat down with the bloke, I said to him, okay, well, here's the list of things that need to be fixed, admitted to God, to ourselves, and the other. I said to the bloke, show me, this is the things that need to be done, and here we are pausing. Am I going to ask the, 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 the power that's going to fix up me, am I going to ask it to actually do the job? Because nothing's happened yet. Two minutes remaining, nothing's happened. We're getting right to the edge of it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nothing has happened. Absolutely nothing. We've just diagnosed the problem. We've got the list of things that have to be ticked off to be done. And nothing's happened. And then I had this moment which I spoke about when I first came here. This sixth step moment, where I had to go away from my sponsor in this beautiful warm house and this lovely book-lined room and all that sort of thing, and had to go home to my little—I live in a in a, um, a site office down the paddock, and I don't have any water or toilet or anything like that—and I've been there for years and um, live like a hobo. I had to sit down there, take this book down, read what I've just been reading to you—the first five steps—think about those first five steps. And whenever they read that, how it works, I do that in my head too. Have, is, have I done that? I ask myself those questions, you know. Am I capable of being honest, you know? Um, and have I honestly done these things? And, uh, and then um, that's... Uh, I'm going to pause again. It's a time for pausing. The sixth step. It's just me in my site office. You know, there, there isn't anybody to impress. I love acting. I love I love being here. I love you all. I love this lovely feeling of me being centre stage and everyone looking at me. I mean, you know, talk about selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, inconsiderate, uh, fearful. Funny I missed that one the last, but anyway. In the, six by, in, the, in the 12 by 12 it says also, you know, pride, envy, anger, lust, gluttony, avarice and sloth. That's a pretty good bulk load of things. We start off with alcoholism. And that's not what we're going to be removed of. Alcoholism is going not going to be taken away. My defects of character—am I prepared to have those things taken away? That's a huge, big thing. This means that I've got nothing left if I take away my pri- all of those things. I'm really just there, asking God to, to run my life. That's what I'm pausing about. That's what I'm stopping to think about. Do I really want to do this? You know? And am I willing and so on? And that's when I had some, something happened. And it's continued to happen over the last, I don't know, four or five years or whatever. It's continued to happen. It just continues to happen. I, 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 I wake up in the morning. I do the morning meditation. Um, Sometimes... <laughs> one minute going. I, I do the morning meditation during the day, frequently. I, I'm practicing. I am, I've got, I'm a published poet now. I actually have written poems that are in a book, many, a few books. I am an artist now, which is what I always thought I was. I thought I was just a bullshit artist, but now I actually <laughs> am, a, am a sculptor and a drawer, and I do and I spend my time looking at naked people and, and think it's really good fun, very interesting, you know. And I think, well, why not, you know? Why not have an interesting life, you know? And uh, and um, so I, I start my day out with that thinking about the day. Actually, I found lately, just lately, it's been really good to actually sit for a fair bit of time make my prayer, sit down there for a fair bit of time and just allow the day to come to me without trying to change it. Just allow my thoughts about the day to sort of bubble up. my re- And I have lots... Because I'm working in a in- in creative way, it means I'm constantly exposing myself. It's very vulnerable and I feel a lot of anxiety and fear. It's, it's normal life. If you're going to try anything, you're going to feel anxiety and fear. There's, there's this balance between care and risk. And, you know, I risk things by doing this. That's okay because I have that morning quiet time. There are things that I'm anxious about and I just notice them. And in the evening, I just sit there in the evening and I go through things that have disturbed me. And the question I ask myself in that quiet time is, do I need to talk about any of this with anyone? Well, that's a really good question. You know, is this, is this kind of worry about my sister's cancer? Um, do I need to discuss that? Mm, maybe I should, you know. Do I have to discuss that I broke my shoelace? Mm, perhaps not, you know. So when I sit there in that evening meditation, I think through it. I sort of sort things out. What do I need to discuss with somebody? And What, what is OK just to notice? And then I do during the day. That's the time. I do during the day this little moment, which I do. I tried to do. I do here, which is just, just a pause, just to stop when agitated. And uh, it's amazing how the the right thing comes to you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting me share.